Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm James Vickers, uh, quite a disappointed England fan today. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at underscore James Vickers, and I also host the EPL Index's sister podcast, which is at Championship Pod on Twitter, where you probably guessed we talk about the championship. Hello, I'm Louis Shackshaft, English fan also. Um, I'm a regular on the Championship pod, which James has just mentioned. Uh, I usually step in and host if uh, James is hungover, which is uh, quite often. <laughs> uh, <laughs> alternatively, I, uh, I do a lot of articles, uh, blogging, and as I've mentioned, post- podcasting also. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Louis Shackshaft. All right, it's a pleasure having both of you on. A bit of a championship roundtable takeover. Also, I have returned from my uh, brief travels there, but huge thanks to Jake and Jay for hosting in my stead. Um, We are here today with basically uh, an England support group, Um, but very pleased to have you back on and very pleased to be on myself. Uh, We'll start with the match yesterday. Obviously, a very hot start uh, for England Opened with the Trippier free kick. Uh, we'll just start there. What was your guys' reaction as that hit the back of the net? Uh, for, as, a, as a fan's point of view, um, I did lose it for a minute. Um, I'd said sort of before the game, you know, how Croatia had been in these knockout stages in sort of this tournament, especially in previous tournaments, that they keep it quite tight. So to get an early goal for us, you know, was massive. And to get it straight away from probably the sweetest free kick Trippier's hit in his career that I can remember was absolutely fantastic. And, you know, for that sort of first half, especially uh, the sort of nation was dreaming of a final and obviously it didn't work out and it wasn't meant to be, but, you know, that first sort of 15 minutes, I thought we played fantastically well and and we really had him on the back foot and, you know, looking back, probably should have scored another one, maybe two goals, but, you know, the lads have done sort of ever so well and, you know, no complaints from me of how they did at all. Yeah, I've got to agree. You know, uh, obviously only four or five minutes in, Trippier's goal was fantastic. You know, it, it was always probably going to get it on target. The, the range it was at was, you know, centre of goal and take nothing away from him. I had a feeling that it was going to hit target. And yes, when it hit the back of the net, you know, it, it was jubilant times. Um, and like James said, I think, you know, the, the first 30 minutes, we possibly should have been... 2-0 up for sure um, and, and that's the disappointing thing that after scoring after five minutes we, we didn't score again in another 115 minutes <laughs> um, so in, in that aspect yes it, it was another goal that we needed and I think if, if we had been 2-0 up at half, half time then obviously different story but 
yes, first five minutes in, it, it, it was great. And it was good to see Trippier get the goal as well, because for me, he's probably been our star player this tournament. He's, he's definitely stood out, um, obviously, with a couple of other players. But I think um, he's been one of the surprise players that most people have, have took note now. And obviously, um, people will be keeping a watchful eye of him at Tottenham Hotspur. So, uh, yes, like I say, we're just disappointing we didn't manage to score another goal particularly in the in the first 30 minutes but initially um it's it set us on our way and you know after after that then we all know what happens i guess yeah you both mentioned that it, you probably deserved another goal the the chance that sticks out most obviously is the one that fell to harry kane um where obviously he shot from a acute angle some have questioned that decision saying he could have potentially laid it off to raheem sterling do you think there's any blame here one side or the other I don't think any blame can be sort of put on Harry Kane. I think, you know, England's star striker nine times out of ten, you'd expect him to score there. And, you know, unfortunately, he hasn't managed to. But, you know, the same could be said if he did pass it to Sterling and not a knock on Sterling at all, because I think he was fantastic all tournament. But his finishing hasn't really been up to scratch for a player that plays in sort of that crucial position of, of supporting Harry Kane. So if he'd have passed it to Sterling and Sterling had missed, you know, people are sort of making the headlines then of you know why didn't Kane shoot why didn't he put the ball away when he's passing to a player blow on confidence in front of goal so I think you know as I said nine times out of ten you'd expect Harry Kane to score there and it's just one of those things take nothing away from the save by Subasic you know great to get down and get his leg to it and the second one especially even though it ended up being given offside to get to get back sort of almost onto his line and and you know keep the ball out from that tight angle was was absolutely fantastic as well so you know it wasn't meant to be but I don't think any blame can really be put on Harry Kane especially how well he's played this tournament and how he's sort of sacrificed his role as the one getting in behind to come deep and bring others into the game you know the players like Lingard, Ali and Sterling have really flourished with having Kane as that focal point for them to to play off so yeah no no sort of gripe for me about him not taking that chance because you know on any other day, he probably would have stuck that away. Yeah, same for me. Um, if I'd been six yards out, you know, in front of goal, World Cup semi-final, and a player as prolific as Kane, then yes, he's got to be shooting. It's obviously hugely disappointing that he didn't find the back of the net, and it, it was a decent save, but nine times out of ten, you know, either side of the keeper, that probably would have found the goal. In, in hindsight now, yes, we can say he... he maybe or should have squared it to Sterling but I think it was one of those opportunities where it looked easier to square it once he'd missed the opportunity um, but at the time you know again like James said I'm, I'm, I know Sterling's been criti- criticised this tournament and, and for me I actually, actually thought it, he had the best game against Croatia I thought he was decent he obviously uh, creating a lot of space for other players making some decent runs I know he can be frustrating um, it would have been nice you know, England have scored, I believe, 12 goals this tournament and you'd have expected Sterling to score at least one of those. But um, we all know that Sterling's end product isn't fantastic. That's his downfall. Uh, however, but yeah, going back to your question, Kane did the right thing for me. He had he had a couple of chances there and he probably should have taken it and he's obviously not done. And, you know, it's again, it, it's all in hindsight, but um, I think he did the right thing. 
Yeah, and just to put a statistical touch on that note, Sterling had eight shots at the tournament, only one of them on target, obviously no goals, as you mentioned. Um, not not a knock on him as a player on the whole, but again, his finishing has not been his strength at this tournament, uh, and I do agree with you guys, although I tried to keep my bias out of it as long as I could. Um, then obviously, after that miss, there were a couple more chances. The Maguire header, Lingard shot wide. Um, but then, kind of like the Columbia match, the door was left open a little bit for the other team to grow into the match, which Croatia obviously did. Uh, were you guys concerned as that was happening? Did you feel that that first Croatian goal was coming? The longer it went on at 1-0 and, you know, we started missing, as you mentioned, the, the Maguire header, the, the Lingard chances. You know, as soon as those were missed, there was always that sort of lingering doubt then. Uh, was it going to be a repeat of the Columbia game? And, you know, unfortunately it was, I think, especially at the back we've been you know very solid all tournament but and it's not a knock on walker at all because i think he's been one of the star performers you know this tournament especially he's still a player learning that position sort of as a center back in a and a back three for england and to switch off a little bit to let perisic in for the header you know although it is disappointing you know a player of his experience he, he's still learning that position you know if that was for Man City, it would have been, you know, a company or a, an Otamendi in that position when maybe not necessarily Walker would have had to to have done that job. But, you know, not a knock on him at all. Um, as I said, the, the longer it went on at 1-0 and you could see these chances start to go begging that you, you did get that sort of doubt with the sort of midfield and attacking players that Croatia had that they were going to get at least, you know, a sustained period and it was going to be a real test then for our defence to see how they'd cope with that and you know unfortunately we came up a little bit short but it's easy to sort of focus on the negatives of that and you know for the majority of the tournament the likes of Maguire, Stones, Pickford especially you know have really shone and cemented themselves as you know top class international players so while it is disappointing to that we didn't take those chances and Croatia got back into the game at that stage, you know, they've all had fantastic tournaments. And I think this was just unfortunately sort of one step too far for them. Yeah, I agree again, you know, after, after half time, I think England pretty much dominated the first half. And like I keep saying, it was a shame that we didn't go into the break with two goals um, because after the break, it, it was expected for obviously Croatia to come at us. And, and they certainly did. And, and the longer the game went on, you know, if after 60 minutes, 70 minutes, when they did get the goal, it, it was coming. You know, they, they, had, they were creating half chances and, and the ball into Perisic was sublime. Great, great yeah. ball. And you can, you can argue that, obviously, Walker could have done, could, done better with that. Um, you know, but yeah, it, it was coming. I think after 90 minutes, 1-1 was a fair result. And then after the 120 minutes, I think... Croatia did actually deserve the win. If if anyone deserved the win after 120 minutes, it, it probably was Croatia. They just had that extra quality in in the final 70 minutes, and a shame that we couldn't push for more, you know, chances in open play, especially in the second half, um, because yeah, Croatia did edge it, and it's it's disappointing because obviously we went we went one nil ahead, but take nothing away from England. If someone had said that we'd reached the semi-final before the World Cup began, I think most people would have snatched their hands off. It's just a case that Croatia, on another day, England probably would have won. And they were there for the taking, but Croatia are all there 
as, as well as France, that they're there on merit in the final. So um, for me, it's been a fantastic tournament. England have done us proud. Um, but in terms of the 120 minutes, I think Croatia just, just about deserved it, yeah. Yeah, their central midfield, we, t- I, we talked about, I think, Louis, you may have been on that show right before I left, um, that their central midfield was so strong that it could carry them through matches where even when they didn't have those flare moments, which they kind of ended up having, that it kind of kept yeah, yeah. them in the matches at all times. Um, and, you know, that was uh, just at the end of the group stage um, that we were noticing this how, how good they were there. And it is a very simple team setup. It's technique up the middle, pace up the sides and attack. And, and it uh, obviously benefited them. And the fact that Perisic was able to have the match he had while basically doubled with both Trippier and Walker on that on, on England's right side, Croatia's left, uh, is, is very impressive and speaks to his overall ability. Uh, and, you know, probably should have had a more uh, successful individual career, but uh, showed up in a huge moment when his country surely needed him. Obviously, at the end of all of this, as you guys said, 120 minutes, England did not score again. Croatia win 2-1. Um, obviously heartbreaking in the immediate aftermath. How are you guys feeling about it now, though, uh, looking back on this particular match? Yeah, as you mentioned, immediately after heartbroken, you know, gutted to come that close to sort of a World Cup final, been born in 1992 to miss, you know, the Italia 90 semi-final. This is sort of the best overall performance at a World Cup I've ever seen from an England team and to fall you know literally right at the last hurdle is you know bitterly disappointing and you know that first sort of hour or so after the game quite sort of numb to it uh, just obviously gutted but you know having slept on it and waking up this morning and seeing sort of the the most pleasing thing from my point of view is is how sort of together it's brought the country again in terms of viewing the national side I think Gareth Southgate's done a, a fantastic job and you know it kind of became a bit of a joke everyone saying you know it's coming home and and that kind of thing sort of around England but you know when you look back at the start of the tournament we went in with you know not much expectancy to get out the group you know people expected us to do but from then you know there wasn't really any sort of hope of us getting too much further so to have the run that we did and I know people have mentioned you know it's been quite an easy run on paper that we've had but you know you can only beat the teams in front of you and it's not as if England chose to have sort of this route Um, even though we did sort of put out a weakened team against Belgium which ultimately led us down this path you know you still got to beat what's in front of you so to play the way we have with you know a very young squad very pleasing for the future. Um, obviously, in the immediate aftermath, as I said, gutted. But you know, looking back on on, especially since Gareth Southgate's come on, the the mood swing within the nation of of how the national teams perceived, and you know, the players that have really stepped up to the plate for him. You know, we mentioned Trippier already. Maguire has been absolutely sensational at the back, and you know, I'd imagine there's big clubs sort of sniffing around him now. And then you've got people that have sort of had good tournaments and really changed my sort of view on them as well. I always thought Jordan Henderson was, you know, an average midfielder at best, but, you know, he's proved to me. And I think a lot of people over this tournament, what, you know, a fantastic midfielder he is. And, you know, that goes for the likes, you know, as well of um, sort of Jordan Pickford being able to step up. Ashley Young, you know, his set piece delivery was absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, who would have thought at the start of last season to sort of probably 
go 12 months back that Ashley Young would be England's first choice left back in a World Cup semi-final. You know, not many people would have believed that. But yeah, um, to go back to your initial question, I think a lot of pride in the way they've carried themselves this tournament. And, you know, there's a lot of sort of hope now that this is sort of the, the start of something special with the English national team. You only, only have to look at the, you know, the junior level teams, the under-17s sort of upwards, you know, having success, you know, in World Cup tournaments and, and European championships to see that, you know, we are doing something right sort of finally um, when it comes to the national team. So it's going to be important now that this isn't just a one-off and that we actually build on this and, you know, take it into the next European Championships and the next World Cup and, you know, hopefully beyond and, and really grow something special. Yeah, I've, I've got a slightly different view. I mean, I, I was born in 86 and the, the only time in in my lifetime, I was, I was only obviously four in 1990, so I don't really remember that one. Um, but the only pride I've had as an England fan is probably 1996 in the Euros, obviously on home soil. And, and that's the last time where I really like felt like I supported England and had a faith, a faith in the team that they was actually go out, going to go out and win. And this, this last, if I'm honest, this last 22 years, I've, I've kind of like been a bit pessimistic with England. Like they've, they've never obviously delivered at major tournaments and they've always underachieved and been disappointing. So this time round, af- the aftermath of being you know, defeated by Croatia. I wasn't heartbroken. I, I did have a sense of pride because England getting to the semi-finals is 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 what it's all about. It's been a great ride, you know, and a great journey. And e- even in defeat, we can you know look at the England football team again. Um, and it's been the first time in a long time. And and they've you know brought the nation together and we've got that support back just you know once again. And, and like I say, for me, it's been 22 years since since I felt like that. And, and you know, we've got a bright future. Southgate has obviously done a fantastic job. But in, on the other hand, you know, I, I don't want to sound bad by saying this, but in reality, you know, we've, we've still only won three games. We've only beat Panama, Tunisia and Sweden in 90 minutes. You know, we've, we drew with Colombia, we've drew with Croatia and then got beat in extra time and, and lost to Belgium. But, you know, we've, we've been one of the most entertaining teams in the tournament. I think if you, if you said that, before the tournament, that England were going to reach the semi-final and and play some fantastic free-flowing football, as as a Belgium and Croatia have probably been the other team that have stood out. Um, you know, I'd, again, I'd have, I'd have snapped their hand off because that's something that we've missed as England fans for for over two decades now. So, yes, as James said, the, the future looks bright. You know, we've got a solid foundation. All the players are young. I think we have an average age of, of 24 and it can only bode well for the future in, in the next Euros and the next World Cup. And I believe there's only going to be is it Trippier, Young and Henderson who will be in the 30s at the next World Cup mm-hmm. and everyone else will be 27, 28 years old-ish. Um, so, yeah, the future's bright. And I, like I say, I wasn't particularly heartbroken. I'm just pleased to um, be from a nation where we've actually reached the semi-final of a World Cup. I mean, I don't know how many teams in the world start this tournament. You know, you're probably looking at 170, 180 teams and we've got to the final four. So, I've, I've, instead of being heartbroken, now just had a sense of pride, and it's uh, first time in a long time, but it, it feels good. Yeah, I think to an extent, the people that that are mad or upset that that England didn't win last night are really reflecting that England are kind of struggling from their own success to an extent. Like if England had had to play France in the other edge of the bracket, 
I think people would have been far more accepting, or if they just made it out of the group and lost the first match against, you know, maybe somebody tougher than Colombia, I think it would have everybody would have just been like, oh well, well we finally made it out of the group stage, and they would have seen all these promising signs, as you say, the youngness of the squad. Seems like Southgate has good command over the players, um, but I, I think England almost got too far that it led to some people having a negative view on this. But from the outside looking in, it does look very positive indeed. I was going to ask you guys to look back on the whole tournament, but you both kind of already did that. So let's let's look forward a little bit. Obviously, Southgate's tactics were interesting coming in. Um, in those last final tune-up games, we really saw this uh, set up with Walker as a center back, Trippier out right. And some players have struggled with this uh, formational change. As you mentioned, Kane has had to play deeper, which has given him fewer chances at goal. Uh, you've had Deli Ali, who has struggled a lot in an England shirt, way more than he has in a Tottenham one. As you mentioned, Sterling's best match, probably this one, but he kind of drifted in and out sometimes. Lingard's finishing wasn't really there. I'm not really sure that's a tactical thing, though. Uh, just curious if you, how you guys viewed the usage of that obviously made it very far in the tournament. And if you'd like to see that continued or if you'd like to see some kind of tweaks in the formation and tactics. Yeah, I think sort of tactic wise, I think one of the big, and it's kind of out of Gareth Southgate's control, the big sort of loss for him was the injury to Watsley Chamberlain for Liverpool. Mm. I think he, alongside Henderson, would have been crucial in that role as the the sort of box-to-box midfielder, you know, a bit of pace in that midfield. And we don't really have another player like Henderson who can sort of, uh, like Oxley chamberlain sorry, um, who can sit in there and do that job. So I think going in, that was, you know, a massive loss and that might have sort of influenced how sort of tactically he lined up. I think if he was fully fit, Chamberlain definitely would have gone first and foremost and probably would have been one of the first names on the team sheet with how he's played for Liverpool over the past season up until the injury. So I think especially sort of for that, that was, you know, a big sort of loss for Southgate. As far as the the actual formation goes, I looking sort of how we've played and seeing how we've played, you know, tournaments past where We've tried to, you know, accommodate these so-called big-name players into formations that don't necessarily suit the squad as a whole. I'd like to see us continue with it, you know, with the exception of Walker, who looked, as the tournament was going on, like he was grown into that position. You know, he had his Man City teammate Stones next to him, and obviously his ex-Tottenham teammate Trippier out wide of him. You know, he, he looked quite settled. Obviously, there was the odd mistake or two, but that's going to come with a player still learning the position. But I think, you know, under Guardiola, especially at City, he's got one of the best managers, you know, to, to help develop him in that position. And, you know, further down the line, I think with his pace in that sort of central back three, you know, that, that can be sort of a massive help for England. So, yeah, I'd like to see us continue with this formation with, for the first time, and sort of to, to go back to Southgate, with taken players purely on form you know it would have been easy to take the likes of Lalana, Wilshire, who were coming back from injuries who are you know sort of your household England players names if you like but he's gone with players like Loftus-Cheek who you know have had fantastic seasons so tactically I think you know there were some things out of his control I think yesterday in particular I think if we'd have had the option to play you know, a deeper lying midfielder to to sit on Modric, you know, maybe looking back in hindsight, that would have been a good idea to do to stop him dictating the play. But, you know, as, as a whole over the tournament, I can't have too many complaints about Southgate. He's completely changed my perception of him from when he was first appointed, um, you know, to now. Uh, I think he's, you know, a phenomenal manager and the way he's really got the team sort of to buy into his philosophy as well. 
I think this is the first tournament I can remember where, you know, players have come out on Twitter or sort of on Instagram afterwards and, you know, their sort of messages, if you like, that they've put sort of thanking the fans. The amount that have mentioned Southgate sort of as, as the focal point, you know, has been really pleasing to see and there's a real togetherness in the squad. So, Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I think definitely, you know, right man for the job. And I'd like to see us continue with this formation, um, especially if he continues to go down the route of picking players purely on form and not, you know, names of, of things that they've done in the past. I agree with the uh, Chamberlain comment there, James, as well. I think because for me, the most disappointing player uh, for England was Deli Alley in this tournament. Yeah. And he's, he's been kind of disappointing towards the, well, since, since Christmas, I guess, for, for Tottenham as well. And Kevy will probably agree because obviously he was a different player that we saw f- with Tottenham the season before. And he's kind of brought that into, into the World Cup with England. And I know he got his goal against Sweden. But I think if Chamberlain had been in the squad and it it had just added that added spark and you know he probably would have started Ali from the beginning as as he was doing but you know after sixty minutes that's where Chamberlain would have been introduced and it, it you and know he could have won that difference. spot throughout the tournament because as you said Delhi really didn't exactly. much on offer exactly yeah and I think we did we did miss Chamberlain uh, the other the other concern I do have for England is obviously um, a, a lot of teams are the same but you know a plan B I mean whether. It's, it's it's difficult to say, but obviously England went one nil up yesterday, and they went one nil up very early. Um, but once we got to half time at one nil, should we then should we then be parking the bus? I don't know. Obviously, it's all in hindsight, but we stuck to the same formation. Um, we all knew that Croatia have got world class players, and that's where now our players have got to prove themselves because there's only obviously Harry Kane is probably the only player who's roughly in that bracket of being a world-class player um, you know this next few years your likes of Kyle Walker John Stones Harry Maguire Rashford Pick- Pickford Lingard they've all got the potential to be world-class but they've all got age on their side and and that's thing something where I think we can 
grow and, and be stronger, obviously, at the next Euros and World Cups. But I think Southgate's been playing to our strengths. I think he's been fan- fantastic. And obviously, we've we've seen the set pieces and the so-called, in, inverted commas, the love train from corners and, you know, <laughs> the routine where they had the free kick. And, you know, and, and that's just simply Southgate, you know, common sense, but effective playing to England's strengths. And there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that in times have gone by with England. And that's been our downfall where we've had players with egos in the team and we've had non-English managers. And it's great to see Southgate, an English manager uh, with a new brand of football. And like I mentioned there, it's, it's, it's just simply playing to the strengths, free-flowing football. However, to be critical, I'm not sure if they've got that plan B yet, but that will come with experience because of all the players that we have at present are, like I say, all very, very young and I just hope it bodes well for the future. Yeah, some excellent points uh, in there tactically. And, and I think it will also benefit Southgate in future to have um, more passing from deep midfield, which uh, if Shelby gets his head right over the next four years could be him. Uh, Harry Winks did fantastic in the Champions League this season, could develop it as long as his uh, legs can stay in better shape, and you, I, I think James was used that was mentioning uh, somebody should have been brought on to to man Mark Modric, and that should have been Eric Dyer. I, I hate to keep bringing it back to Tottenham, but Dyer also did not cover himself in glory this tournament. And if he had been doing a, a better job, he probably would have been brought in and given that specific role. But I, I don't think he was trusted to do that, so he was more just shielding. But it kind of seemed aimless at times, and he certainly wasn't doing well passing forward. Um, so I think that was also a problem for Southgate. I, I do think the the uh, tactic is an interesting one, and I do think some individuals suffer, but it's it, it certainly seems as though it makes the full team better um, and, and balances out the squad in a really interesting way, and, and I do agree that he has done a great job. And it was also nice to see him kind of get over the penalty hoodoo um, from earlier uh, when he was a player and getting to, to redeem that against Colombia as a manager, I thought was a really nice uh, storyline and touch. Um, we just mentioned some uh, players there that could be in future England squads. Are, are there any players that you're kind of keeping an eye on that you think might be crucial in, in the England squad, maybe the next Euros or the next World Cup? I think two sort of stand out for me and then not disappointed that they didn't go this time around, but I think, you know players like Welbeck didn't really get a look in. So there was that sort of option to bring, you know, like a wild card player who's been informed this season. So the two for me that sort of stand out that I think definitely maybe come the Euros, but if not definitely the next World Cup that will be in and around the England squad, obviously you can't predict sort of how injuries and, and that kind of thing are going to go. But if they carry on playing the way they are doing, I think Ryan Sessegnon, Definitely, apart from really Rashford and, and Vardy, who wasn't fully fit, we didn't really have that, you know, lightning pace coming off the bench. Someone who can sort of run direct with the ball and carry it long distances, which, you know, when you are sort of under pressure going into that last sort of half an hour or so, that's invaluable to have someone who can carry the ball from deep and, you know, give the back sort of four or five, as it were, you know, a bit of a breather. So I think Ryan Sessegnon definitely, after the season he had for Fulham, obviously down in the championship, but, you know, it'd be great experience for him to take him, get him in and around the squad. And I fully expect him over the next season to really sort of shine for Fulham and, you know, hopefully progress even further into, you know, a quality left-sided player. 
Um, the other one for me, and he doesn't get talked about as much um, because he plays in the Bundesliga, um, but watching as much of it as I do, Jaden mm. Sancho has really impressed me over the last season. Um, coming from a player that never got a sniff at Man City to making his debut in the Classica against Bayern Munich. Um, when he came on for that half an hour against Bayern Munich, you know, he was the best player on the pitch, which isn't an easy thing to do when you're playing Bayern Munich in a team sort of full of superstars. And he really carried that form on for the, the remainder of the season. He he seems like quite a, down, a down-to-earth lad. Um, sort of seeing interviews that he's done, he's quite sort of a shy sort of guy who doesn't really, you know, sort of look like one of these that sort of get carried away with his own hype. So I think definitely those two, you know, over the course of the next year or so, I'm going to definitely be keeping an eye on. But then at the same time, there's players, you know, for Chelsea who they seem to just have an abundance of young English talent that aren't really getting a look in, which is quite disappointing. Obviously, Loftus-Cheek went out and loaned to Crystal Palace last season and proved that all he needed was a run of games. So I'd Hate to see him go back to being a, a bit part player at Chelsea. Hopefully he gets a move away or they trust him sort of to start games for them. Um, Lewis Baker, for example, another one. I know he's gone to Leeds United now, so um, it'd be interesting to see how he progresses. But, you know, we mentioned these players. They're all sort of in their teens, early 20s. And, you know, looking at that, the future's bright. So I think definitely come the next Euros and, and World Cup, especially there'll be new additions into the squad. And hopefully the players that we were sort of missing this tournament position wise, we mentioned, you know, a player to sit and screen the, the defense, maybe another option up front off the bench. Hopefully they emerge over the next few years and, and come in and, you know, prove to be invaluable for us. Yeah. The big one for me has got to be Sessignon as well. We talk a hell of a lot about Sessignon. I know on the, on the championship pod, um, but <laughs> Do you know, you? he's, he's, he's too, <laughs> I know he's, it's like a broken record, but obviously he's 18 now. And I think there's obviously, eyes are on him at, at all levels and and just to see how we um see how he turns out in this this, this next two to three years and Sessignon obviously being a left-sided player as well Young's obviously gonna fall out of that position as as he gets as he gets older but um, there's Danny Rose there it's a shame that obviously he didn't get more game time at the World Cup I know he was carrying some kind of knocks before the tournament which obviously saw Young in that position but yeah D- Danny Rose is decent but obviously like I say all eyes is on on Sessignon really because he can play obviously play on, on that left wing as well and with England have always struggled to have that left-sided player and let's hope you know like I say a few more years Sessignon yes he does need Premier League experience um, I'm sure obviously he's, he's going to gain that with Fulham whether he does get his big money move eventually whether that's in another year or two let's see but he's, he's got to be uh, if he has a good season with, with Fulham this year and, and, and gets his you know it's, let's say a handful of goals and assists. He's, he's definitely going to be uh, looking at getting a call up to the to the full England team. And but in terms of players currently, you know, young players that I'm picking out. I know we all know these players, but you know, Pickford and Maguire have certainly not done themselves any. They've got no problems at all. You know, every, every club around the world has probably seen those players now and realised like the talent that we have. And and for me, I knew Pickford was a decent keeper. Uh, but Maguire has really stepped up. He's, he's surprised me, actually, how good he is. I, I knew he was half decent, but he has got that mould to be a, a world-class defender. You know, a couple more years' time, you know, his, his presence and the size of the guy, yeah, he's, he's unbelievable. And he hasn't really put a foot wrong this tournament. So, for me, Maguire's, you know, 
he could be a future England captain by all means. Um, I know James mentioned Rashford there. It's a shame he didn't possibly uh, start one of the competitive games. I know he, he, he played, did he play a full game against Belgium? But um, for me, he, he, you know, he's, he's a player that if, if, you, if you play regularly, he's going to get goals and it's, you know, still early in his career, Rashford, but he's a player what, potentially could replace Sterling maybe uh, at the next Euros. Um, but yeah, the times are good. As we all know, the under-21s, the under-19s, under-17s, they've all got to semi-finals and, and yeah. become world champions over this last few years at, at their levels. And, you know, it's it's something what stems from Southgate again, I guess. It was the England under-21 managers. So, you know, I'm not getting carried away with myself, but... I'm hoping this massive investment from the FA in the England youth setup is slowly starting to pay off. One other player as well, sorry, before we move on, that we haven't even mentioned there, and Guardiola raised about him is Phil Foden, um, mm. you know, another midfielder. So definitely there's a lot of talent coming through and, you know, going to be keeping an eye on all of those over the next couple of years. Yeah, just, just to throw even a couple more names on, but a uh, fantastic point there um, about. Uh, uh, Southgate's previous role with the youth team and, and I think that may have played a role in the exclusion of a player like Wilshere um, because it does seem like Southgate relied on a lot of the players that he worked with at, at a younger stage um, but uh, Jamal Lascelles who was just a little unfortunate to miss out on this World Cup has been fantastic for Newcastle and when you were talking about uh, Loftus-Cheek needing to get his minutes for Chelsea or leave it reminded me Ross Barkley was supposed to be that box-to-box midfielder but then he got hurt at Everton, moved to Chelsea, and disappeared. Um, Completely forgot about him as well. I know, exactly, but that's another player that could have filled that role where he could have either been box-to-box or played in an attacking role and just obviously wasn't a factor this season in the Premier League at all and then obviously was not uh, gifted uh, a a trip to Russia, as previous managers may well have done, just on previous reputation. But uh, Southgate, again, was uh, very brave in his selections, and I do agree that it was great that he picked players on form. Um, now, instead of looking forward, we'll look back a little bit at this tournament. Who, for you, was the player of the tournament for England? I think there's two main candidates for me. Um, Harry Kane, I think I expected him to get goals, so he won't be one of the two that I sort of include, even though he did fantastically well and, you know, led by example. But the the two for me and the two real sort of standouts, first of all, Kieran Trippier, I think, Outfield-wise, he was absolutely phenomenal for us. You know, down that right-hand side, his set-piece delivery, you know, I, I knew he had a good delivery on him, but, you know, watching him over this last month, absolutely sort of phenomenal delivery and the consistency of it as well um, as, as something that's really sort of impressed me. Defensively solid as well, and he seems to really nail down that position as his own. So, you know, definitely sort of outfield-wise, Kieran Trippier for me. The other one, and not because we had him on loan at Preston for a bit, um, but because I think he's an outstanding goalkeeper. And, you know, Southgate's said how he's the prototype or the model for, you know, future English goalkeepers. And that's Jordan Pickford. You know, a lot was made, especially after the comments that Courtois made about his height. Um, but when you've got a guy that agile, who I think we all know the save that I'm talking about in the the Columbia game, which was absolutely yeah. phenomenal. Still watching that back, don't know how he managed to sort of get the hang time and managed to tip it with literally sort of the ends of his fingertips around the post. Um, was absolutely incredible. But the the distribution which he has with both feet, you know, 
been a predominantly left-footed goalkeeper, but some of the the balls out on his right foot last night, you know, were finding their target, you know, a good sort of 40, 50 yards away. And that's crucial to have to set, you know, attacked off. He looks calm on the ball when he's got a player closing him down, you know, keepers in the past would have panicked and just hit it long straight away, but he looks composed on the ball. Won't be rushed into making, you know, decision even when he has got a player sort of breathing down his neck, you know, he's that confident in his own ability. So the two for me, definitely Trippier and Pickford, but, you know, I could have easily picked anyone from the likes of Maguire, Henderson, Sterling, um, sort of the list is endless, really. Yeah, the, the, the three what stand out for me is is same as James. You, you know, you can't look past Trippier, Pickford and Maguire. Um, if I had to choose, um, I know I've already previously mentioned this, but I, I think I'm actually going to go for Maguire uh, just because he's performed hell of a lot better than I thought he would. Like I say, he's not really put a foot wrong. And I can, like I say, I can see him being a, a future England captain. Um, close second for me, Trippier, yeah. I mentioned it again, but I'm just so glad he got that goal in the World Cup semi-final. He'll always be remembered for that, and he probably doesn't realise actually what he's done as yet. I know we were defeated, um, but to score a goal in a World Cup semi-final, you know, that's going to live with him forever. And um, and then obviously Pickford, like James has mentioned, he's, he's already gone into detail, but he's made some sublime saves, and he's, he's you know done himself the world of favours because he's he's got the potential to be a world-class keeper also. But yeah, definitely those three for me. Yeah, it was certainly very impressive for, for each of those players that you mentioned there. Obviously a little biased towards Trippier on my end. Um, but as you said, Maguire and Pickford, both very good. And it seems like all three of those uh, have kind of been given that um, player of the tournament thing, not just because of their great performances, but uh, especially as you were mentioning there, Louis, these weren't players that came into the tournament expected to be the people that would help carry the team you know that was supposed to be Kane and Deli Ali and Raheem Sterling and and that like so the fact that the defensive players especially came through this big uh, I think are a big reason why England made it this far unfortunately though did not make it through Croatia did they will play France curious to get your guys takes as, as we start to wind down today on who would who you would prefer to win and who you think has the advantage heading into the final I think advantage-wise, I'm the team that I'd prefer to win um, uh, the same. So France, I think it's going to be, even though he's impressed everyone all tournament and everyone already knew how good he's going to be, I think the final is going to be the, the Kylian Mbappe show. Um, that game against Belgium, the the pace that he possesses is absolutely frightening. And uh, it may be me me being bitter, but after seeing the comments that Dejan Lovren made about how he refers to himself as a, a world-class defender and that everyone else should finally start to realise it, to say that a few days before you come up against Mbappe, Griezmann, Pogba, you know, fair enough it's if he risky. wins the World Cup. Yeah, if, if you win the World Cup, fine, come out and say it. If you keep Mbappe and go quiet all game, then come out and say it and, you know, I'll be a bit more sort of... Uh, willing to listen to you but to to say that just before the final when you're coming up against one of the the most dangerous attacks in midfield at the tournament you know is, is quite risky but yeah I think this game barring any sort of injuries anything like that is going to be the game where Mbappe really announces himself as you know the the potential heir to you know the the Messi Ronaldo 
sort of crown. Um, obviously, don't want to get into that debate about who's better, but I think they're both coming into the, the twilight of their careers now. And, you know, Mbappe's just sort of embarking on his. And this is going to be a game where he's really going to stand out. And I can't really see, you know, barring any sort of early red cards, anything like that, a way that Croatia can win the final. I think France have too much sort of going forward. And what's really surprised me about them as well, especially with the the choice of sort of fullbacks they've been playing, is how solid they've been at the back. You know, Varane and City have really sort of stepped up this tournament, uh, you know, and, and really impressed me. I thought, you know, both were a little bit suspect at times watching them at club level. But, you know, they've been absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, having a player like Kante to, to cover the ground in front of you as well makes your job that much easier. So... I think it'll be a close-ish game, but I'd fully expect France to win and, and they'd be the team out of the two that I'd, I'd also want to win the final. Yeah, my head tells me France as well. I think um, deep down, I actually want Croatia to win just simply because obviously it's their first ever World Cup final. They knocked England out. Yeah, it's um, always easier to know, excuse the- your exit if you lose to the winner. Exactly. And they've only obviously got a population of about 4 million people. Um, I'd love to see Modric lift that trophy. But on paper, yeah, you can't really look past France. I mean, we talked about Croatia having a world-class midfield in terms of, you know, Rakitic, Modric, uh, Perisic, etc. But you look at that French team and you look at Varane and (laughs) Kante, Pogba, Griezmann... um, Mbappe, you know, the, the list is endless. Um, Lloris in net, it's on paper, yes, France should be winning. It's over 90 minutes, you know, it could go either way. And like I say, I would like to see Croatia do it. But if I was predicting a result, I'd probably go 2 or 3 1 to France. I actually predicted France to win the World Cup at the beginning of the tournament, but I also predicted that Gabriel Jesus would be uh, the golden boot winner. So <laughs> I'm kind of. Um, potentially 50, 50% correct with my <laughs> predictions if France do win. Uh, but, yeah, it's I don't think you can look past France, um, although it'd, it'd be great to see Croatia do it. Yeah, it'll certainly be a fascinating final. Obviously disappointing to the English fans who would have loved to see it. And also, I'm in the UK right now, and that would have been really incredible to be here for that. But uh, we don't always get what we want. Uh, as I believe some song mentioned sometime. Um, thank you guys so much for coming on. If you'd like to tell the folks where they could find you or any projects you're working on, now would be a great time. Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter, which is at underscore James Vickers. As I mentioned at the top of the show, I'm the host of the Championship Roundtable podcast. So you can find us on Twitter at Championship Pod, where in a couple of weeks we'll be sort of kicking back up for a new season with plenty of discussions sort of early on about transfers, you know, predictions for the upcoming season. So definitely check that out. Yeah, I've uh, been Louis Shackshaft. I'm a regular on the Championship pod, as James has mentioned. I usually discuss Sheffield Wednesday, and, and as he said there, we'll be uh, discussing the, the, the pre-season, I guess, um, in, the, in the next few weeks. But otherwise, you can find me on Twitter, at Louis Shackshaft. I'm currently, or have been doing, it's nearly over the World Cup, but I have been working with Sporth and doing match reports on the World Cup, so you can check those out if you wish. Uh, but you can also view all my articles and, and blogs, etc., on my website, louisshackshaft.com. 
Yeah, and I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. It's great to be back. You can find me on Twitter at Kevroff, where I'm finally going to start tweeting again. You can find me over at Goal, where I'm uh, going to start writing again. Um, and uh, the Goal Fantasy game did launch today as we record. So uh, get over there and play that game, if you don't mind, and if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, we should start uh, FPL shows up uh, back in earnest starting next week or the week following the start date, allegedly, for the uh, Premier League show. Uh, which this is temporarily not, as it turns to a World Cup one, uh, should be recorded on the 22nd and out the 23rd, just to give you a little bit of a roadmap uh, as we look forward towards the 2018-19 season with very little rest from this tournament here. Um, But thank you guys so much for coming on. It was a pleasure as always. Uh, As they said, go check out the Championship Pod. It's it's very, very great content, uh, and we're very pleased with the work they're doing over there. Um, But yeah, thanks to you guys for coming on. It was a pleasure being back myself. We hope you enjoyed, and we hope you keep listening. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.